All right, everyone, we are back on the Ramp Podcast today. We have a special guest I've interacted with a ton on LinkedIn, and I'm proud to present her here. It's Jennifer Starr. Jennifer, how are you today? Hi, Danny. I'm great. So happy to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. For sure, for sure. We're happy to have you. Before we jump into those meaty topics on the job search and what's happening in the talent marketplace today, we want to know, who is Jennifer Starr? You know what? Day by day, I'm evolving. So ask me today and then ask me tomorrow. You might have a different answer. But first and foremost, I am grateful to be here. Every day for me is a gift. So who am I? Grateful is my first my first response. I'm a mom, which is my favorite thing to be. And once a teacher and always a teacher. So I'm somebody that's always learning and always trying to pass knowledge on to others to make their path a little bit easier. And a connector, a dot seeker. I'm always looking to make a match. So whether it's for a client who's looking for a special candidate or for somebody who's on their job search or just love interests, I matching socks. I am a connector of missing pieces. And so I guess that would be my answer today. Ask me tomorrow and I might be somebody else, but that's today. We might get something different tomorrow, but no, that's a great way to put it. That is what drew us to you in the first place. Just so much gratitude on your LinkedIn page. And I've been able to connect with you a few times since then. So I am, I'm super excited to share and to get to know you a little bit better on this episode and share your knowledge with our audience. We obviously represent tons of job seekers. We have tons of folks who are either at a transition point in their career or on a journey that they don't know the end result of. And right now is a crazy time, obviously. We're seeing so much turbulence in the talent marketplace on all ends, it feels like. And it feels like every day, LinkedIn gives us a new update about a layoff or somebody looking for work. I want to know your high-level take on what's going on with talent these days. What are some trends you're seeing and what can folks do about it? So I've been recruiting almost 28 years. So when I started in 1996 in San Francisco at the height of the dot-com market, you saw the bubble expand and then the bubble burst. And over my career, I've seen the highs and the lows in the market. I've seen it change. You know, 1999, that bubble bursted. Finance, 2008, 2009, that bubble bursted. 2020 changed the landscape of how people work and where they work. So for me, it's not anything new for there to be some turbulence in the market. It's just more about educating people on how to ride those waves, not now, but for their whole career. So it's it's more of a mindset of this is my career and I have to navigate it. And sometimes it'll be better and sometimes it'll be worse. But as long as I am true to myself and what it is I want, I'm going to always push those obstacles away. And for me, when I started, we didn't have LinkedIn. We didn't have all of the social media. It's just not how job seekers were finding jobs. They were actually going out in person and meeting people. So today's landscape, years later, through many highs and lows, there's a lot of noise with 
all of the technology and all the wonderful things that it brings to us, there also is a lot of noise. And depending on how you're able to filter that out, it will determine if you can be successful or not using these sites. And knowing that there are always going to be people getting laid off. There just are. I mean, ask anybody in 1999 in the tech world, and they are going through exact, you know, the same thing that they're going through right now. So it's not what the market is doing as much as what you're doing, what you're controlling yourself to do, what you're allowing the market to do to you. I guess that would be my response to that because the noise sometimes is overwhelming and filtering that out will help you stay focused. Really well stated. Really well said. I'm somebody who graduated in 2009. So I saw the tail end of the last big financial meltdown and I was a teenager just entering my teens during the dot-com bust. And I remember that impact. I was like received in the media and how my parents reacted to it. And, you know, in 09, I was told, take whatever job that you can get, no matter what the job is. Take, you know, if it's a low paying job, doesn't matter. Just get your foot in the door somewhere. Now, times have changed. And that mentality, I think, has gone out the window. I have not really heard that in quite some time. Now I'm seeing, you know, apply to as many jobs as you can. If you're going to take a job, it doesn't really matter because you're going to be, you know, off to the next one soon enough. People change careers, change jobs all the time, right or wrong. There's, I'm not really, I don't have a strong opinion either way, but it is what I'm seeing and what we are seeing at Ramped. Curious to know your perspective on these changes and how people react to, let's call it a job or a career or a role. You know, it's no longer pursue something and that's the rest of your life. It's pursue something for a short time. Or is there value to stick with something and pursue it forever? Or is it somewhere in between? I, I want to get your take on that. I've had two different careers. And while they are uniquely different, the core of both of them are the same. And I think that sometimes there's a job and sometimes there's your career and there's no right or wrong. It's where you are at that moment of what your needs are. And there's nothing wrong with taking a job while you're pursuing your career. Not every position is a paycheck, but every position could be a teachable learning moment. And I believe everything we do, whether it's a temp spot, a short-term gig, working in the local ice cream salon, is experiences that we bring with us everywhere we go. So the answer to that question, I'll tell you what I'm going to tell my children who are teenagers, and I'm already putting little seeds in their head, that there's something that you love and something that you want. You're going to get it. There's not going to be any obstacle that will stand in your way of getting something you want. But not everybody knows what they want. Not everybody knows exactly what they're going for. And so getting a job to just get experiences and to wake up every day with structure and to be interacting with people and to use your skills is getting you closer to where you want to go, even though you may not know where you want to go. It's like you're practicing driving, right? You're in the parking lot and you're practicing, you're practicing. You're not going anywhere, but you're practicing those skills so that when you do go, you know how to drive the car and stop and turn. And a job sometimes is just that. It's practice for what you really want. But we don't always really get what we want right away. Sometimes 
you have prerequisites to get where you want to go, where you have to do A and B to get there. And sometimes you're just going to find it by somebody you met along the way or an experience you had. So everything you do is worth doing. I have no problem with taking a job until you find something in your career. But I do have a problem with somebody not taking the time to figure out what they want and then just waffling through and turning around at a certain time or age and saying, you know, I don't have anything here. I, I don't have a career. I have a lot of little jobs, but I don't have a career. And a career is something that you put into it and it gives back to you. And there's joy in that. And there's happiness in that. And everybody can have that, but first you have to know what makes you happy. So there's like a process before you get to that question of who am I, what do I want to do? Because that's when you'll decide, you know what, I really want this, but first I have to do this. So in the meantime, I'm going to get a job. Really, really well done and, and really thought out. And I agree with most, if not all of what you said. Specifically, it's, you know, what, what you said reminded me of some of what you hear throughout your life going through college going through earlier educational experiences where, you know, people tell you you can do whatever you want to do. And that is, that's probably true, right? There's some, some like aspirational aspects in that, but it's probably true. I am never uh, going to be a high school math teacher. I could just tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but they also, also it's important that you identify a track and identify things that give you joy and identify things that give you inspiration and if you're off track, it's okay to just kind of experiment and screw around a bit as long as you find your way back to some some track, some normalized track. I want to ask about kind of combining that career path, that track with something that we've seen recently, a trend we've seen recently, before we dive into some tactical conversation points and tactical pieces of guidance for our audience. But so a lot of what you said is super relevant no matter where you are in your career. I am curious, as you look at this younger generation, I know you have kids who are probably entering the workforce in the next five, 10 years, the remote work versus hybrid work versus in-person work, that has become a hot button issue, not just for our audience, but for, for life, for people you interact with. I hear all sides of the table, and I think all are pretty well represented but and, and valid. But I'm curious to know your perspective on where do we go from here? What does the future of work look like in, let's call it three to five years? Is it fully remote? Is it hybrid? Is it in person? What are some of the trade-offs and does it actually matter anymore? I could stand and argue every side of in-person, remote, and hybrid. And there are a lot of factors that will determine the success of each of those models. First and foremost, forcing people into the office it's not going to work. People have to want to go in. And there are a lot of people that do. A lot of people want to be in the office for a lot of different reasons. Some people, they feel more connected when they're in. Some people don't have the workspace at home to be able to do what they want to do. It's not as comfortable for them. Some people love the long commute. It's the only time they have to themselves to listen to a podcast, to read a book. And then the reverse is true. Some people work better at home without all of the noise that could be in an office. For me, interviewing people now, I prefer one-on-one -on -one as opposed to being in an office in person. There is so much confidentiality when it comes to a search 
that I wouldn't want a candidate's face on a screen and everybody is seeing that they're looking for a job. It just takes away the privacy element of it. I also find for myself that I work better in a quieter environment where I am in touch with the person I'm talking to, right? For me, that works. But I've also grown up learning in an office from other people. So I'm at a place in my career where I don't really need to have others around me to learn what they're doing and to follow how they're doing what they're doing so I can kind of make it my own. So it's not a hard, fast rule. Some people I think will do better in an office where they're learning from others around them and other people will work better at their own pace in a quieter environment. So it's a personal thing. You know, I think real estate is going to be a factor in how companies want to move forward. Do they want a physical office? And if they do, then people that want to work in an office should work at that company. But if they don't, then they should find companies that are remote. I think trying to force people or force companies to do something that's not comfortable won't work. So what does it look like? I think it's going to be a mixture, but you have to find a place that will work best for you. I have two kids, okay? One of them thrives in a classroom with a lot of people. She enjoys all the conversations that are going on. That's where she works best. I have another child who does best in a smaller environment where everybody's working at their own pace and there isn't so much noise. When they get older, they're going to look for different environments that are going to work for them. So I think that it's not going to be a hard, fast rule in any direction. Yep. Good point. I tend to agree. I tend to agree. The one caveat I will say is I, my first role was at a tech company called Groupon, which at the time was taking off, right? I went and saw it go from 50 people to 250 people in the span of three months. And then from 250 people to like 15,000 in one year after that. And I don't know if I could ever look back on that experience through the lens of hybrid or remote work and say I would have the same experience because there was a time where we were bringing in extremely top talent from all across the globe, you know, from financial institutions like Goldman Sachs to huge tech companies like Yahoo at the time or Kayak or Google. And I don't know what I would have done had I not been in the office learning from people alongside me. And I'm not suggesting that it has to be in person, but I do think there is a time and a place for significant in-person work. And it could be the meetings that we have to have together or the brainstorming sessions that we have to have together or the cross-functional teams. I don't have a perfect answer, but I do know that that type of experience is really, really hard to replicate or replace on Zoom. Okay. Enough with the, the high level ones. Let's dive into some meeting topics. You are all over LinkedIn. Our audience loves LinkedIn. It is a key asset that people need for their job search. I'm curious to know what are three to five tips or tricks for LinkedIn specifically for job seekers to level up their application before they apply to jobs? So focusing is one thing I will tell job seekers that they need to do to be not only successful in getting the job that they want, but in staying networked to the people that they want to stay connected to. So just going on to LinkedIn 
and following random people and liking random posts without having a reason behind it is great because it's always nice you know, to meet new people. But if your goal ultimately is to get a certain job in a certain industry, then you're going to want to be a little bit more focused on who you're following and why you're following them and what it is that you are hoping to get from connecting with them, whether it's just getting them to notice you or getting them to want to connect with you or getting them to want to hire you. And so knowing what your goal is will help you before you even get on there to be a little bit strategic. So if, for example, you're going for a position as an executive assistant and you wanted to work at a company that is in the tech industry, you might want to put together a list of the top 20 companies that you would love to work for and follow them. Go in and follow. So every time they have any kind of an announcement or somebody from that company posts, you're going to get an alert and you're going to know, okay, I want to interact with these people. They work at the company. And even if the person isn't a hiring manager, it's likely that other people at those companies are going to comment or like. So maybe the HR person is going to comment and like on the designer's post about something that they just created. So you're just getting recognized by people at that company. Somebody might post a job. They might say, we've got a position open and you might comment. It might not even be a position you want, but you might say, great opportunity to work at that company. Again, you're just starting to get recognized. And then once you start to feel like people kind of know who you are by now, now start to make introductions, you know, reach out to people that are in hiring positions and just say, I've really enjoyed following you on LinkedIn. I'd love to be part of your network. I'd love to have you in my universe. And just open up and engage because the last thing you want to do is just hit somebody up out of the blue for an ask, right? You don't want to just say, hey, could you help me? You want them to know that you're enjoying them, you're following them, you're appreciating them before you're kind of engaging. Now, once you engage, they know who you are. And then, you know, Again, not right away. You don't want to right away ask for something. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Halloween. Just to say hello and engage with them if you notice that it was their birthday or you notice that they posted something. Just engage. Then after they know who you are, you've had a little bit of engagement, forward your resume and say, I would really love the opportunity to be considered for any of your open positions in your administrative area or your office support area or sales, tech, whatever it might be, because I really have enjoyed following your posts and the posts of the people that work at your company. It looks like a great culture. I see so many people that are proud to work there. I'd be proud to work there. They might not have anything open, but now you have put it out there that you're looking and you're interested and you're interested in them. So you might even want to do this for six months out. You might not even be looking for now, but you want to be on their radar because a smart recruiter and an internal recruiter is going to keep a pipeline for when things do open. It's not always something's open right now. I need a job right now. It's always just putting it out there. If that's the world you want to be in, then stay there and stay connected. And then something opens and they know who to call. I would also be very careful about how you engage with people. 
while you might not agree with somebody, you might think twice about publicly disagreeing with them so that it starts too much because antagonizing somebody in a public way, even though it's innocent, it's a difference of opinion, could come off as being antagonistic and you might not want to be that way in a public forum. Or if you see somebody, they have a spelling error or a grammatical error, not putting it in the post, sending them a private message. It's a really great way to engage with somebody off public view so that they understand that there's a level of respect, but that you have an opinion and that you want to engage and you want to be able to have, you know, thought process. Everybody wants to be thinking about different ways of doing things. So if you disagree with something, that's wonderful. But putting it out there so 100 people then agree with you, and it makes the person who posted feel like they're being antagonized on their own post, doesn't usually work out well. So there's nothing wrong with responding, but just to be respectful in the way you do it in a public way. Yep. Really, really solid answer. Tons of guidance in there for our audience, Jennifer, as well. So I'm super, super thrilled that your mentality at a top-down level on LinkedIn is really like it's a connection platform. Be respectful. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to have opinions, but really think about the network and really think about you know nurturing the folks in your network, especially when you want to stay in a certain industry. I'm curious to know, what is one thing that job seekers are not doing today that they should be doing as they're either gearing up for their search or they are mid-search? So I'm going to go old school here, going back deep, Danny, the appreciation and the gratitude. I know a lot of people, a lot of recruiters will disagree with me and I'm okay with them disagreeing, but I'm a very big fan of a thank you note. I just am. I'm a very big fan of saying thank you for taking your time because while you might not be interested in a position right now because you didn't like that role, connecting with somebody, you never know what's going to happen down the road. Other jobs will open. So being gracious and again, you're staying front and center by engaging with them again. So you might have met with them, had an interview and then parted ways, but following up with a thank you not only allows you to have more engagement with them, and they're going to remember you more. But it shows that you have a level of respect for them. And they're going to appreciate that because not everybody does. Unfortunately, the recruiters and the HR department, they don't always get the love that they should. And when they do get it, they're really grateful for it. So for me, I think that a thank you note and just appreciating somebody's time goes a really long way. For the new job seekers who are also have been raised using technology, they're very comfortable on technology. It's great because we're using it for everything. But connecting with people outside of it is also important. I've seen people send handwritten thank you notes. I get them myself and I love them. So if you're comfortable with that, I'd say definitely go with some kind of a thank you note or written gratitude. Yes, 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 yes. Great point. That's an easy one, right? Like people just forget it. I am so pro this, the thank you note in general. Better if you can have some sort of template and just have like a custom line that you can edit for the conversation you just had to make yourself stand out. I do think it is 
also a check the box, but it's a really important one because if you're in these interviews and you really like the conversation, your peers are sending thank you notes. I get probably 70% of the time a thank you note from a candidate, especially if they really liked the call and I can tell. And that does stand out. I don't always remember it. I don't always write down they wrote a thank you note or not, or not, but it does go noticed when somebody sends one. And I do think it is not just the polite thing to do. I do think it is the correct thing to do. And I do think showing appreciation is really important, especially if you want to stand out in that interview process. What do we have here? Thank you notes. Wonderful. That people I like it. I like it. Me. Okay. So really good. Think they, they don't matter. They do matter. Really, really I good. Welcome, just I just want to go back to something else. Recruiters are checking people out. They're looking at their engagement on social media and they are seeing how people are engaging with other people. It goes back to be mindful of how you respond on somebody's feed because people will see that and they'll see people that are putting kindness and good things out in the world and they're seeing people that are putting the negative out. And most people want to be around those that are putting out the positive stuff. Yep. Really important. Really, really important. I think it's important that our audience understands one more thing from you. You have a wealth of knowledge before we ask that final question. And I think this is perfect for you. The way to treat talent acquisition folks, the way to treat hiring managers, and how to develop a relationship with both of that, both of them. How do you do or how do you perform or how do you act accordingly when you're in an interview process so that you are making impact on each of those entities, which you will which you will undoubtedly interact with in every single interview process? Whether it's a talent acquisition person or it's another hiring manager of sorts, find out who you're going to be meeting and do a little background research on how they got where they got. LinkedIn will give you a lot of information on their career path, how they got started, what steps they took. You'll see what schools they went to, organizations they belong to, and you can see where they're posting, what kind of content they're posting. And coming into the meeting, just letting them know that they were important enough for you to do a little research. And then you've got something to talk about. I noticed that you belong to XYZ group. I also enjoy that. Or I noticed that you posted a great article on something that really resonated with me. It makes people feel really good that it meant enough that they took the time. I have so many people that will meet me for the first time and they'll mention something about me being a teacher of the deaf, that either they always wanted to learn sign language or they have a deaf friend or relative and so they start the conversation connecting to something that I feel very passionately about. And so automatically, I'm excited to engage with somebody about something that I like that they like too. So before we even get started, I feel like I've connected with somebody and that was something they did. I didn't do that. They did that. And to me, it shows me that if they took the time to do that research, then it meant something to them. And so now I know that what they're interested in or they're interviewing for means something. It's not just something they're just throwing out on the walls 
and hoping, hey, it sticks, but they're going in with intention. They're mindfully doing their research and they are focusing on connecting with somebody so that when they meet them, they can have a good conversation. People sometimes, they don't realize if they haven't been recruiting and they don't see it every day. Not everybody is good at interviews. Just because somebody has been given the assignment of interviewing somebody doesn't mean they're going to ask the right questions so that the person could give the answer so that they know that they're interested or qualified. So when you are going into a meeting and the person isn't a traditional TA or a recruiter, expect that they may not ask you the questions that you really need them to ask. Put together a list of things that you want to get across so that regardless of the questions they ask, you could make sure that information gets put in there. And if you know a little bit about them before you go in, then you've got a lot of points and tips that are going to be important to throw in there. Like, I remember when I used to work at XYZ company that you know they worked at once before, right? Or, you know, when I was out fishing with my, you know, best friend and knowing that they're a fisherman, just having information about the person that you're going to be meeting allows you to incorporate that into the conversation and engage them in a way that they may not ask you about. Does that make sense? So it's just initiating it, knowing what is going to connect you to them or to the job that you're interviewing for. Yeah, really, really good points, really strong points. And it doesn't take that much effort, right? It's like an extra one minute of screening, an extra one minute of looking somebody up on Google or LinkedIn or taking what's on LinkedIn, looking it up on Google or social network. So it really isn't that much effort to get to know somebody more than 90% of the folks that they're going to engage with. Look how we met. I made a post about sleepaway camp. You engaged about your love for sleepaway camp. Next thing we know, we're on a Zoom call. And the first thing we talked about was how much that experience has molded us into who we are today. And it was something that had nothing to do with work. It had nothing to do with anything other than a shared interest. And you and I will forever be connected as two people that love camp. If I have a camp joke, it's going to you. If something's referenced, (laughs) it's going to tag you. So we connected completely outside and look, here we are and we're collaborating together, right? So it was just authentic. And I think people are sometimes afraid to be their authentic selves. And that's what connects people the most is the humanity of it all. And that's why posts on amazing things that happen to people get so much generation and resharing because with all the technology, we lose some of the human touch. And that's what keeps us connected. And that's why I love the thank you note. And that's why I love researching somebody before you meet them. And that's why I love sharing a little bit of who you are. Because one thing I would love for your job seekers to know, it'll save them a lot of frustration. The bullet points that you put on your resume are what you do. But when you get an opportunity to meet somebody, that's your opportunity to share how you do it and why you do it. And if I have 10 resumes on my desk and they all look exactly the same, until I meet that person and know why they do this job, 
becomes very hard to get to know them or know where I could match them. And so bringing that part of yourself to LinkedIn, to what you comment, to what you post, to meeting people and sharing it, bringing that vulnerable. And people are always so used to being vulnerable, right? Bringing who I am because they're afraid that they'll be judged. It's easier to bring what you do than who you are, but that's what's going to get you the job. And in a technology-based world, sometimes people will send out thousands of resumes and hope that they stick. But there is no way that one resume is going to fit a thousand jobs, right? If you're going to target your search and you're going to be very mindful of who you are, what you want, what you're going to go after, you're going to be more targeted in what you're sending out because you're going to see a job description and you're going to make sure your resume matches that. So a resume that's one size fits all may have their top three bullet points be at the bottom of your resume. If you did a little bit of research and you took the time, you're going to put those bullet points at the top of your resume so that they mirror the job description. You can't do that by sending out mass resumes. And what happens when people do that and they don't get a job, it gets into their head. I've sent out a thousand resumes how come I'm not getting a job? And they start to think it's them when it's really just the steps they took to even apply. You don't need a million customers to make a million dollars. You just need targeted ones. And it's the same thing here. Target what you want, research the people that you want to meet, the companies you want to work at, and stay focused. And you'll get there. You will always get there. But throwing things out there will just get you very frustrated in the process. Yep, that's right. Right. Well, last question. This has been an amazing discussion. Last question before we let you go. We ask all our guests, all four seasons of the Ramp podcast, if you could go back in time, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, what is the one piece of advice that you would give yourself as you are entering into your career? Definitely to pay more attention to technology, how I could use it to make my process more streamlined, I am very good with people. I meet somebody and I know exactly where I could place them. But technology makes things easier. Even with my calendar, I'm embarrassed to tell you I still use a paper calendar. I do. It works for me. But I think it would work easier for me if I were to go right to the one that was on my phone with technology. So if I can go back to my younger self, I would say... Don't necessarily go to what works for me, which is more paper. Go what is going to make my life easiest and fastest. And that's more along the lines of what you're doing right now. You're helping the recruiting process, right? By using technology to make it easier for people. And I think that's amazing. It wasn't the way I learned. We didn't have it when when I started out. So for me, I would like to like turn the time machine maybe, and have used technology more. I use LinkedIn great for connecting with people, but it could be used better. So that would be for my own self. It would be that. Good, good thought. Good place to end. Technology is definitely a tool and can make you more efficient and expedite your growth and your learning. So use it early, early and often. Well, Jennifer, this has been fantastic. I have loved getting to know you over our interactions and 
I feel we've developed an even closer connection on this episode as well. You have so much knowledge. Our listeners are going to absolutely love this episode. Where can folks find you? So I'm on LinkedIn all the time. That's like my home away from home. And also jenstarsearch.com. Those would be the two places because, again, technology isn't my specialty, so I'm not all over. I am very focused on LinkedIn. That is where I spend most of my time. Well, we love that. We love LinkedIn. And Jen, Jennifer, Jennifer Starr, we hope to have you back on the Ramp podcast sometime in the future. Thank you so much for this super engaging episode. Thank you. And, you know, every time people do things like this, myself included, you learn a little bit about the person who's talking to you and you learn about yourself. So say yes more than no. Love it. Love it. Thank you.